contrary to what you might think, I am not a dollar bull. In fact, I hate the term dollar bull because the word in bullish, the word bullish implies good things. It implies opportunity. It implies optimism, positivity. When the dollar goes up in exchange value, there is nothing bullish about that. Not, not just outside the United States for those who see their currencies collapse, but also inside the United States too because of the, the ramifications, the consequences of what makes the dollar go up in exchange value. Something that we were reminded of very recently, just yesterday, Monday, September 26th, when Britain's pound flash crash early in trading. Now, nobody should have been surprised by this because all the warning signs were there last week. But still, not only did it, did it catch most people off guard, even afterward, hardly anybody seems to have good answer or good explanation for it, which is, again, one of the things that we like to talk about here. I'm Jeff, of course. This is Eurodollar University. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about the dollar's exchange value and what it means, what it really means. Spoiler, it's not the Fed. Now, before we get into that, we're going to go back in time to last week. As I said, there were all sorts of warning signs during the week leading up to what happened over in London earlier on Monday. Let's start with the Chinese yuan, CNY. CNY broke seven to the dollar early last week, which is a psychological round number, of course, but it's also it also seems to be more than psychological for the communist authorities there. They don't like it when the currency falls below seven to the dollar, usually causes them to spring into action, which did happen also yesterday morning in the, uh, the vortex and the maelstrom of the dollars in the wake of the dollar's moves uh, over the weekend. Now, the PBOC, in, after, the, after what happened, uh, especially Thursday and Friday, where going past seven to the dollar, CNY plummeted to beyond 710 and it seemed to accelerate. And by early morning trading in Beijing time on Monday, CNY was down as low as 718 to the dollar. So big, sharp currency move in, in the Chinese yuan, which suggested that things were going wrong. And if you didn't, and if you are only thinking that maybe something's not right, then the PBOC all but confirmed it with their implementation of a deposit program which is really targeting speculators. And of course, when you have no other options, it's really easy to target speculators because it's they're evil, right? That's what we've heard all the time. Think back to 2008, in the middle of the financial crisis, before Lehman Brothers, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, banned naked short selling of U.S. bank stocks because speculators must have been the problem. They're like the lowest hanging fruit in the regulatory architecture. So the PBOC said, okay, you want to short yuan, speculators, you're going to have to put up a deposit, make it more expensive. Therefore, in theory, or at least in the public realm, in the financial media, um, this will curb speculation on Chinese yuan, or at least that's what it's supposed to do. It never works that way, of course, because speculation is not the problem. It's not the issue here. And so making speculators, making, you know, selling yuan or shorting yuan more expensive that's not the reason why the yuan is going down. We know that because the U.S. dollar is going up, and so do Chinese authorities. But they've done us a huge favor here in a couple different respects. First of all, you go back a couple of years when the Chinese yuan unexpectedly began to decline, everybody said, well, that's just because that's what the Chinese want. Uh, it's export stimulus. That's what it says in the economics textbook. 
When you run into economic trouble, as China certainly is this year, the textbook says you weaken your currency, you beggar thy neighbor. You devalue the currency a little bit to stimulate the export sector. And of course, we know that's not what actually happened in 2015, nor again in 2018 and 19 when we last saw this deposit speculator scheme. So what the Chinese are doing is basically confirming for us that it's not their intent to have CNY fall. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. In fact, they're trying to arrest or at least limit the downside to their currency. So throw out the idea that the, it's a bunch of speculators, that, that the Chinese government wants CNY to decline. That's not what they're doing here. In fact, they're trying to, to stop it from declining as best as they possibly can. And the other thing that they've done is confirm that, you know, we, caught, we sort of had the idea already last week that things were going badly for the Chinese, not just the Chinese, but around the rest of the world, because again, the currency accelerated in this downside. And the fact that it accelerated and where it accelerated to, passing seven to the dollar, the Chinese sprung into action, just like we thought they would. Um, this, this deposit scheme is sort of a confirmation from the Chinese side that the US dollar or Euro dollar problems that are plaguing the global system have become acute enough that they feel it necessary to at least play some public game where they're trying to reassure everyone they've got it well under control. They're punishing these evil speculators. They're making it far more expensive to speculate against the Chinese currency. So don't worry about anything. Except again, that's not really the problem. As we saw again with the, with the British pound on Monday morning, it's not just China. Over in India, for example, the Indian rupee also had noteworthy trading last week. The Indian rupee fell below 80 to the dollar, which up until over the last couple of months, that had been sort of a floor put under the end of the rupee by Indian officials. Going back to July, for example, the, the Indian officials, the Indian Reserve Bank of India had, had used contingent liabilities, you know, net forward assets as they call them, to try to rescue uh, the rupees decline which is already suspicious because in one sense, India and China are nothing alike. Uh, the Chinese economy, clear trouble, uh, clear financial issues, whereas the India economy, well, maybe not necessarily robust, has at least been in, on the list of countries that are doing poorly, they're at the end of that list. So India is doing relatively much better than its counterparts, certainly much better than China, Yet despite that, the rupee had collapsed to a record low by the end of July, forcing the Reserve Bank of India into these contingent liability countermeasures to try to, like China, rescue their currency. However, while, pu while putting a, a clear soft peg or floor underneath the rupee at around $80 or 80 rupees to the dollar, that essentially set up what we saw last week, which was the eventual inevitable downside when these off-balance sheet contingent liabilities inevitably fail. Because again, the, the, uh, the idea behind contingent liabilities doesn't actually fix the problem. And you can go to a previous episode that Emil and I did on Eurodollar University where we talked all about what those mean, contingent liabilities, and why they don't work. So last week, Thursday and Friday, the rupee finally, after two months of trading at 80, finally fell well below 80 and accelerated beyond 81 toward 82 heading into this week. So there was another key crucial indication that the dollar system was having, was experiencing major malfunction, major disorder, even before we got to this week in the British pound. 
Now, India is also very helpful in telling us, uh, telling us about what it is that is behind, or at least what are the symptoms of the U.S. dollar's rise. So what is the problem that the Indian authorities are actually trying to mitigate? Uh, I'm going to use these quotes over and over. I'm going to beat this dead horse because I think they, 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 do, they do a really good job of, of explaining the, the problems and the, uh, the setbacks that most of these countries are facing. Uh, Reserve Bank of India back in July, both advanced economies and emerging market economies witnessed weakening of their currencies against the U.S. dollar. Obviously, that has accelerated since July. EMEs or emerging market economies are experiencing capital outflows and reserve losses, which are exacerbating risks to their growth and financial stability. So again, it's, it's not just that the dollar goes up in exchange value, causing the counterpart currency to decline in exchange value. There are very real consequences to, this, to what's going on behind the veil of these currency exchange rates. As the Reserve Bank of India said, exacerbating risk to their growth and financial stability. And as we saw in Britain, maybe it's not just risks to growth and financial stability. Maybe it is already impacting growth and already impacting financial stability. The head of the Reserve Bank of India, Das, put it, I think, even better when he said, emerging market economies are facing a rapid tightening of external financial conditions, capital outflows, currency depreciations, and reserve losses simultaneously. So we're not really just talking about the dollar going up in exchange. We're talking about all these other things that happen when it does. And if you, if you think about it from the mainstream perspective, it's as if all these other currencies are weak. All these other currencies are experiencing problems when the issue is the U.S. dollar. But again, the question needs to be answered, needs to be asked first, why does the dollar go up? And when the dollar does go up, why does it lead to all of these financially in unstable situations, growth-destroying uh, dollar, dollar setbacks? Why do all of these things happen? And ironically, I think, um, someone who offered probably the most sense a mainstream, economy, uh, a mainstream economist has written down maybe in the last couple decades, certainly for him, um, Paul Krugman, a couple weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago, in the New York Times, because all of this stuff is becoming so obvious and so apparent, he actually wrote about the U.S. dollar's exchange value and how it seems to be causing all sorts of problems around the world. Again, we were reminded on Monday for what already happened up until then, what has been happening all year. Long before the Fed acted, we had the U.S. dollar exchange value going up. In fact, that wasn't supposed to happen to begin with, right? Because all we heard in 2020 and 2021 was that the Fed and the federal government had combined to destroy the dollar. It was going to crash inflation, inflationary devaluation. All, no, the dollar went in the other direction and then it had accelerated upward, not just uh, at the early part of this, it has accelerated again recently. Now here's Paul Krugman a couple of weeks ago. But why is the dollar up so much? At first sight, the answer seems obvious. It's all about the Fed. The Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates to bring inflation down, which, other things being equal, makes buying dollar assets more attractive and raises the dollar's value. Now, that second part, not so much. But yes, up until that point, he's got it right. But the Fed isn't the only central bank hiking rates. 
International economists normally believe that exchange rates are driven by long-term, not short-term rates. Long-term rates depend not just upon what the central bank has already done, but what on but on what investors expect it to do in the future. I mean, he sounds like euro-dollar futures here. Here is Paul Krugman accurately describing interest rates and dollar mechanics, but understanding that look, this cannot be what's going on behind the U.S. dollar. The dollar can't be going up because of the Fed, at least not interest rates, because other central banks around the world are raising rates too. Not only are they raising rates, many of them are raising rates aggressively. And some, like for example, the New Zealand, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, has been raising rates since long before the Fed started, going back to October in New Zealand. And yet New Zealand's dollar has collapsed toward a record low anyway. So it can't be Federal Reserve policy. And even somebody like Paul Krugman has picked up on the idea that number one, the dollar going up in exchange value, that's not good. And number two, it can't really be about the Fed, at least not about rate hikes. And another, another quote from his article, I think that's important uh, for a number of different reasons. The aura around the power of the dollar revolves around why it remains dominant, even though the US economy isn't. The more puzzling aspect is why fluctuations in the dollar have such strong global effects. So see what he, he understands. I mean, he, he doesn't understand why the dollar is going up because of course he doesn't. He's a mainstream economist, a neo-Keynesian, who believes that individual national economies are islands. There's not really much linking, link, linking between them. So if there's not much going on between economies, why does everybody use the U.S. dollar? Why is the U.S. dollar so important? The U.S. economy isn't what it used to be, certainly in terms of proportion to the rest of the world's global GDP and output. So it doesn't make sense to his view why they, first of all, why the U.S. dollar is as influential as it is, and other, and, and more importantly, why the, these, these behaviors in the U.S. dollar lead to all of these problems around the rest of the world. Now, to longtime viewers of the show, people who understand the monetary mechanics of the modern world, this is no mystery. This is no puzzle. This is the euro dollar's work. This is the euro dollar system experiencing a deflationary spasm of risk aversion, which is causing all of these downstream effects that you hear about from the Indians, all of these other kinds of ridiculous things like what the Chinese are doing with their deposits program. In other, in other words, they're trying desperately to alleviate some of the symptoms behind what causes the dollar's exchange value to rise to begin with, which is the euro dollar system, not the Federal Reserve. In fact, I'm going to include at the end of this video, after the member credits, a clip from one of the videos I did recently for the member, another member video, a member presentation called Money Mysticism, where we go through the lack of correlation between the Federal Reserve's uh, the Federal Reserve's interest rate policies and the U.S. dollar's exchange value behavior back in 2017 and 2018, as well as the last couple of years. Krugman's right. It's not, the, it's not the Federal Reserve. It's not short-term interest rates. There's something else going on here. When the dollar goes up, that is a clear sign it's bad for every, It's not bullish. There's a volatility in the financial markets. There's volatility in currencies. There's volatility in the economy. As the Reserve Bank of India said, exacerbating risks to growth and financial stability. Thus, Great Britain's pound. 
We had the dollar system ex- uh, exhibiting all sorts of bad symptoms up until leading up to this week. And then the British say, yeah, we're going to have a recession. It's probably going to be nasty. And there's not much we can do about it. So all the things that the Indians said that they're dealing with, here we have the advanced an advanced economy, the British suffering all the same problems too. Because it's not about the U.S. dollar. It's not about the U.S. dollar, really. It's not even about, it's not about the U.S. economy. It's not about the Fed. It's about the dollar system itself. And that's the other part we touch on in that member video, which I won't show you the clips here. But again, check out, stick around to the end of the video after the member credit, where I go through the money mysticism part of interest rates. That's going to do it for us today. Again, lots of stuff to talk about. Thank you for joining us. Um, some of the information here pulled from a, a recent Real Clear Markets article. I want, I'll have the, or I wrote recently. I'll have the links in the description if you want to check that out. Other parts of this uh, this video were pulled from recent deep dives that I've done at Markets Insider Pro, marketsinsiderpro.com. You could sign up for the next couple days. It's still free of charge to so get a sample. We're going to start charging subscriptions starting next week. Um, so you get an idea of what those deep dives are. There's a lot of stuff that never makes it onto the podcast, a lot of good information that's there. So if you want to check that out, go to Markets Insider Pro. Other than that, uh, thank you again to all the Eurodollar University members. And I'll see you again very soon. As we've been taught, the message that's reinforced all throughout financial media, the Fed. The Fed explains everything. The Fed explains everything in the economy, explains everything in the markets. We're told and message reinforced over and over again on all these mainstream uh, mainstream sources that if something happens, especially pertaining to money, especially pertaining to markets, you can bet your damn dollar that the Federal Reserve is in there somewhere. But why do we believe this? Where does this come from? That's something we'll get to later. But before then, let's just check our let's check our assumptions. If we assume that rate hikes or rate cuts can explain the direction of the US, just just narrow focus here. Can it explain just the direction of the US dollar that at least give us something to go on here? And what we find out is that no. So back in 2017, we'll start there. 2017, globally synchronized growth, relatively optimistic stuff going on then. The Fed talking about inflation expectations rising, the economy accelerating. So they began to hike rates. They actually started in December of 2015. There was another rate hike in December of 2016. They took a year off that nobody ever explained. But by 2017, they began to do more rate hikes and more determined rate hikes, and the dollar fell against most major currencies. So that didn't start out very well. But into 2018, of course, the Federal Reserve got more hawkish. Uh, Janet Yellen gave way to Jay Powell, who came in like a hawk in a china shop and said, we're going to need to be aggressive because the unemployment rate's falling, tight labor market, inflation, all that other stuff. We're going to do, we're going to QT. We're going to keep going with that, maybe even accelerate them, accelerate the rate hikes, as you can see here. And guess what? the dollar did rise. So that part was consistent, but then wait a minute. You get into 2019 
and suddenly there is no inflation. Suddenly the Federal Reserve is saying we can't raise rates anymore because of this softening in their words, this, this deceleration, decline, downturn in the economy. And so for the first part of 2019, the Fed, Fed pause and even rate cuts. So the dollar must have fallen. Oh, no, it didn't. The, the dollar kept going up. And then, of course, we get into the COVID panic, the March 2020 global financial crisis number two, massive rate cuts, enormous QE, and the dollar there. Yeah, okay, there it fell. The dollar was down because that was the money printing, but it didn't go as far down as it did in 2018, despite that 27% M2, all that stuff. And then, of course, through the early part of 2021, the Fed didn't taper, wasn't even a word that they were using, still full blast, zero interest rate policy, enormous quantitative easing. And as we said before, the dollar started to rise. And then eventually we're going to get rate, rate hikes in QT into 2022 and the dollar screens higher. So just over the last five years, five years plus, there is really no correlation between the Federal Reserve's monetary policies with uh, determining the upper and lower bounds, therefore the range for federal funds, the short-term money rate, and the U.S. dollars exchange value. So in this very narrow experiment, all everything that we've been told doesn't stand up to the actual evidence. And it's not just to the last five years, of course. We can do this in any number of time periods that we want. Let's go back to the last right hike regime in the middle 2000s, the height of the housing bubble, Greenspan's Fed, as always, leading into Bernanke's Fed, as always, think, worried about inflation. As you can see, once again, no correlation really between what the Fed was doing and what the U.S. dollar's exchange value happens in the dollar's exchange value. The initial rate hikes in uh, the second half of 2004, the dollar actually falls despite the Fed hiking rates, because despite Greenspan's Fed becoming aggressive. And remember back then, it was one rate hike for every meeting, and the Fed continued to make uh, continue to make sure that the market knew that that was going to be the case going forward. And then you get into 2005. Suddenly, the Fed's still hiking rates. The monetary policy hasn't changed. The monetary policy outlook hasn't changed, but suddenly the dollar's exchange value goes up and then it's still the Fed hiking rates. And now the dollar exchange value goes down. And then we get into the Fed pause in 26, 2006 and 2007 before the crisis shows up. And suddenly the Fed is not just cutting rates. They're aggressively cutting rates because of the global financial crisis that began. And still the dollar's exchange value falls a little bit more, but then Late in 2008 into 2009, when the Fed becomes ultra aggressive because of global financial crisis, the dollar's exchange value again surges when it should be falling. So at the very best, there is no correlation. And at worst, at least for the mainstream narrative, there's an inverse correlation here. That's something we keep in mind as we go forward. Now, another explanation that people put forward is Okay, it's not strictly the U.S. I mean, since we're talking about the U.S. dollar exchange value, it's not strictly about the Federal Reserve. It's the Federal Reserve's policy in reference in comparison to other central banks around the world. It's instead interest rate differentials. So if the Fed is hiking rates and the ECB is not hiking rates, that should be dollar favorable. 
because investors supposedly can get better returns on their US dollar uh, investments than they would in say Europe where European rates are not expected to rise. But again, we're using DXY here. Uh, actually here we're using the US dollar. DXY is obviously a big part of, uh, US Euro is a big part of the US uh, DXY index. Here we're just using the Euro, Euro the denomination exchange value against the US dollar. And again, at best, there's no correlation, maybe some short run, um, short run effects, but they don't last very long at all. Instead, what you see is that most of the time it's, it's not, it's, it's completely backwards, especially in 2008, where the ECB, if you recall, in July of 2008, was raising rates at the same time the Federal Reserve had been aggressively cutting them, if not quote unquote, printing money back then with all its massive too big to fail bailouts, the TAF auction, overseas dollar swaps, primary dealer credit facility, any number of alphabet soup of rescues. And yet the Euro suddenly plummeted against the US dollar, which was consistent with actual crisis. So, it doesn't matter what time period you look at. It really doesn't matter what exchange crosses you look at. There really isn't a correlation with the Federal Reserve's monetary policy. 